Hello, and welcome back to episode two of season two of Netflix and Grill. My name is Mike Drysdale, and today's episode is brought to you by AmericanEyes.tv. If you have not been over to our website yet, jump on over to it. And hey, maybe while you're there, sign up to our mailing list so that you get these podcasts, articles, and experiences first before anyone else. Follow our journey, be a part of the team, be a part of the movement that is AmericanEyes.tv. Today's episode is a heck of a lot of fun. I am joined by a good friend of mine via link in just a few moments named David Malloy. Now, David is an incredibly intelligent film buff and he he has his own podcast to prove it. He has a, a horror movie podcast that he does with a couple of other people called Nothing to Fear. That's nothing number two fear.podbean.com is where you can find it. It is a great, great show. Uh, this will give you an incredible taste into David's knowledge of film and just how funny he is to talk to about this sort of stuff. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. We are going to be talking about Annihilation, the new movie starring Natalie Portman on Netflix. Ooh, this one gives you all the heebie-jeebies. It's got so much to dig into. So many incredible moments, really nice performances, some scary-ass scenes with incredible artistic design in terms of the cinematography, in terms of the, the, the effects, in terms of the symbolism, all of that stuff. You're going to love it. It's just a good, 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 good film nerd conversation. So jump on board with this one, see it through, and I'll catch you on the other side. All right, so joining me on the line from Sydney in New South Wales is a very good friend of mine. He is a writer and editor at the Bragg magazine in Sydney. Is that right, David? Uh, yeah, so I was the editor for about two months, and now I am working in television. Moved on to Endemol uh, Shine, so I'm working with them on their latest production, but still keeping up the writing. Uh, yeah, Holy good to dolly. hear from you, Michael. It's been It's been a little while, but it's lovely to hear your voice. Thank you, man. Yeah, it has been a little while, and uh, we we uh, initially met through doing some promotions work together and a bit of acting and things like that <laughs> way back in the yeah. day. Scrapping Good times. To make ends Playing meet. Nintendo like with random strangers and trying right. to convince them to buy the Wii U, Nintendo's most popular model. <laughs> <laughs> and that actually was a heck of a job. I mean, you could get worse jobs than oh, playing man. video games with people. You definitely could. That was a good fun time. But anyway, we are here today to talk about Annihilation, the new film that's just come out on Netflix, starring uh, the one and only Natalie Portman, uh, Padme Amidala. <laughs> I'm kidding. Let's go <laughs> As she's best known. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Um, I mean, before this film, uh, what was your favorite Natalie Portman performance? Oh man, um, it'd have to be Black Swan. Yeah. I mean, like that is kind so of, incredible. I guess, her standout opportunity to just go to the extremes of what she can do at both ends of the spectrum. Like, there's so much that she's doing within her character in Black Swan, and there's so much that Aronofsky, as a filmmaker, does to put you in the mindset of that character. That the two kind of they work together so beautifully. You really, really get into the headspace of this totally manic character that she creates. Mm. And I just thought she was fucking phenomenal in that movie. Yeah, and Darren Aronofsky is such an incredible filmmaker as well. I haven't seen the latest one that he made Mother with, Jennifer Lawrence. Did you ever get around to seeing that? I did. I oh. talked about that on my podcast, actually. And it was one of the most divisive films of the year. And, yeah. like... I found that kind of fascinating. I really like divisive cinema because I think that's the one that, you know, really 
allows for more discussion after the fact. I think mm-hmm. a real polarization of opinion means it, it's almost like a mark of quality for me is like that means that I'm going to have a really interesting experience going to see this movie rather than simply just, oh, yeah, it lived up to the hype or oh, it was disappointing. Mother was kind of buck wild. And yeah, I'm glad I saw it. And yeah, it opens itself up to discussion. One of the most interesting things about that movie, at least from a, in my, you know, my business brain goes off and my marketing brain goes off. And it yeah. was both of these moves were not, I think, concocted by some sort of marketing genius. I think they were both concocted by Darren Aronofsky. But one of them was uh, to send a couple of film students around to different areas all over New York to take photos of the title Mother with that font. Uh, light projected out onto different like graffiti walls or different like into Mm. the trees and and so their instagram was just filled with these photos where of just mother light projected onto things uh and that was like really cool just really weird really different um and a really cool way to because it was artistic as well as branding and marketing i guess and then the other thing that he did which was really fun and really weird and really different was he sent his Instagram followers on a like treasure hunt to find tickets to the premiere of Mother. <laughs> and so he just had like these nine digits with like dots in the middle. Um, so like 339.006.739 or whatever. Uh, and he'd say, this is the first clue to finding your tickets to the Mother premiere. They're waiting for you. Oh, right. And these- yeah, actually, there's a couple of bands who've done that as well. They've left like they've left a USB with unreleased songs just in a bathroom somewhere and someone's picked them up and gone, well, this will, you know, probably be fine to put into my personal computer. And then they've like actually reaped the rewards from it. So it's a pretty cool viral tactic. Yeah. But we're not talking about Darren Aronofsky today. Sorry, sidetracked. <laughs> I too think Black uh, Black Swan is an incredible film. I also love V for Vendetta. But I also am just a massive mm. cult fan of uh, Leon the Professional. That was such an amazing oh, yeah. film, the first one. Man. Wow. Yeah. She burst yeah. on the scene. In the same sense as seeing like Jodie Foster in Taxi Driver, like that same <laughs> sort of just mind-blowing. How is this kid doing what they're doing right now? This is like... I mean, as a nearly 30-year-old person, part of me is also going, this is bullshit. <laughs> Damn you for being successful so young. How dare you, <laughs> child Natalie Portman. Um, oh, also, um, I think her her rap career has to be, like, part of my favourite. Oh, man. Of course. Of course. And her science goes, career. And just, like, just having a PhD. You know. You know. <laughs> She was Natalie yeah. Portman was actually on the Nerdist podcast recently, and the, oh uh, shit, or the the new one, the idiot, I think it's called, because uh, they just recently sold Nerdist. But uh, the host was mm. <laughs> reading from her PhD paper, and she was like, uh, "Oh, you don't have to do that." And he was like, "No, no, I do, <laughs> I do, <laughs> I really do." <laughs> and she's like just an incredibly smart, incredibly engaging woman. Obviously, uh, she's been a powerful part of the Time's Up movement as well, which has been amazing. Yeah. And then she kind of comes into this film and she really takes it from possibly being like a weird uh, kind of off the beaten path mm. sci-fi to being like a a kind of prestige film, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's like why they cast her in the first place right that that prestige element will well 
I was going to say that prestige element would boost box office, right? But with mm. the release schedule of this film, I guess that's not the case. Yeah. And I know that, like, Garland, because I'm an enormous... Like, going into this, I think it's only fair to share with the listener that I'm an enormous Alex Garland fanboy. <sighs> I adore this filmmaker. Mm. I love everything that he does. So let's just... Um, let's waste no time. Let's jump straight into that. Tell me... <laughs> give me give me a schooling on Alex Gar- Garland fandom. Oh, well, okay, so, like, The Love Affair begins a long time ago before I knew his name, <laughs> back when the only name that I had to put to it was Danny Boyle, because Garland wrote for Danny Boyle, 28 Days Later, and Sunshine. Wow. Both of which are, like, you know, some of Boyle's greatest yeah. films. There is his some of his longest-standing achievements. Maybe not Sunshine so much, because it's a bit more of a cult hit, but I, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful film. And then Garland went on to write uh, Dread a couple of years back, the the Judge Dread movie yep. with Carl Urban, which is like, it's weirdly just absolutely amazing. It's a really really fun. <laughs> oh man, have you have you seen this one? No, I haven't seen it. It has slow motion fight sequences that are hands down the best I've ever seen, wow. and I know that is a weird pitch to put on a film, but it's. <laughs> It's hyper-violent and it's beautiful. It's actually just a really fun action movie. If you're going to own a corner, why not own the slow-motion fight corner? Oh, my God, yes. Like <laughs> That's the corner all of us vie for. That's the only reason any of us get into filmmaking, please. <laughs> that's right. I want to see the bones break as the fist makes contact, man. <laughs> oh, my God, you're going to love this movie so much. <laughs> And then after that, he goes on to become an Oscar nominated, definitely, I think, Oscar winning director with Ex Machina, which is a right. gorgeous, gorgeous movie. Yeah, really amazing movie. Um, mm. And yeah, and and another fascinating kind of... So he's obviously into this sci-fi stuff. He's obviously into sort of yeah. questions, uh, and movies that leave you with a lot of questions. This was a movie that... that for a lot of it, I was like, am I dumb? I think I am. I think I am really <laughs> dumb. I was like, I'm not going to get the punchline here. It's coming. And, I, and I, I, I shit you not, halfway through, I am like looking up on my phone, just going like frequently asked questions about Annihilation, <laughs> just to make sure that I'm not the only one that is going literally what the heck is going oh, on you right are. now. You are so you are such a long way away from being the only one for sure. <laughs> but I think one of the things that I love about Annihilation and about Garland in general is that he does these very, very, very high concept stories. Mm. But I think he I think he executes them in a way that's still fairly accessible. Yep. So like Sunshine, I think was still fairly high concept. X Mark in it definitely. But I don't think yeah. there are a lot of people who walked away from Max Machina sort of going, what was he trying to say? Mm-hmm. You know, like I think it was it was still pretty direct mm-hmm. in its message. And I think this is definitely the most obtuse that he's been and the most dancing around giving you a definitive answer. But one of the things that stood out in a lot of the more positive reviews for me, and it, I've, I've had a similar experience watching things by like, david lynch or uh the the obvious parallel which is 2001 a space odyssey Mm -hmm. that it's such a i think to walk out of this film and to consider yourself like i i I hope that you didn't have that to consider yourself dumb is to sort of (laughs) miss 
just the pure sensory experience of it like it's such a captivating emotionally roiling film like Mm. i i felt like i was leaning forward in my seat the whole time just sort of hypnotized by every element of it and i don't get that enormously often so it really caught me and really blew me away yeah i mean um i look i i think that in a lot of ways uh he had me on tender hooks and as i was coming to the kind of final act he really did bring a lot of stuff together quite beautifully in the sense that like Mm. stuff that i was just completely scratching my head over (laughs) he didn't answer every question for sure but there was a Mm. lot that was like oh okay oh Oh, I get it now. Okay, I get that part now. Okay, okay. Just relax a little bit. All right, cool. Um, as long as we at least tie up like one thread, that's <laughs> that's fine. Like, don't leave me hanging on all accounts. Just give me a little, now, give me a nugget of completion. Yeah, now I could just look at you, you look at the screen and be like, oh, look at the pretty pictures. Because <laughs> there are, oh, as, as you said, from the, you know, from the burning trees, uh, the burning lighthouse, the flower people, um, the the shimmer in general, the the bones, the oh my gosh, the guy sitting up Every against frame. the wall uh, with his sort of skull exploded off. <laughs> um, d- yeah, every frame of this film, it, there there is something really crazy, and um, I'm totally not great with with art expressions, but impressionistic. I'm not sure. Uh, just yeah, I guess that's fair. Like, I just such a feat of imagination like it's so different to so many other sci-fi films that i've seen lately and i think part of that is just the viscerality of it like it's so bodily and so bright and like it's almost like someone took the color spectrum of thor Mm. and then went no this doesn't quite suit the tone (laughs) and they just sort of like (laughs) stripped a few of the colors back a little bit but it still has that kind of vibrancy and it's so it's it's still bright and quite stunningly colorful but but cold and withdrawn at the same time yeah. and I, I don't know how you achieve that as as a color grader as a director like it's almost, the amount of work that must go into that and it's almost got that kind of i mean naturally i think within the shimmer itself but then also in the color grade inside the shimmer even when that's not uh present it does have mm. that almost like oil slick kind of quality to it yeah um yeah for sure which is kind is just so creepy and so weird and there were so many moments in this i was sitting in the dark uh at home watching this on a 55 inch flat screen samsung tv shout out to samsung Uh, (laughs) and (laughs) who are who are back in this podcast by the way have you slept on bowl and branch sheets Don't you bring that bowl and branch shit around here, David. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. And we are... Uh, that doesn't belong in your square space. I mean, space. <laughs> and uh, I am sitting back watching this and, and uh, my uh, my parents are in uh, the backyard. They're, they've been entertaining. <laughs> and uh, just a couple of times, I sit back and I laugh in spite of myself and I just go, oh, this movie is fucked up. <laughs> 
Yeah, I remember walking into, uh, like, my partner had just sort of hid herself away in her bedroom because she's like, I want I want to be no part of this. It's called Annihilation. <laughs> it looks graphic. This is not my jam. And I, I remember just sort of, like, staggering into the bedroom after the fact with my jaw on the floor, just sort of like, what just happened to me? <laughs> I have had an out-of-body experience. Uh I guess it's worth asking as well, like, how much of a body horror enthusiast are you? Oh, look, not huge. Um, <laughs> no, not huge. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I have never really been into horror that much. One of the, one of the classic, classic other horror films that I've seen, um, mm-hmm. or, or not even, but one of the classic experiences watching horror that I had was right. uh, watching Paranormal Activity, the first one. Oh, yeah. And we were, I was sitting around with a group of friends at WAPA uh, and a, a friend of ours, Paul, who we all call Pablo, uh, had kind of been walking in and out of the film all, all the whole time and just casually like drinking tea. He, at this point, he'd just been in his bedroom. <laughs> he's come out and he's stirring his tea just as there's like the thump, 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 thump. And then the body gets thrown at the camera. Uh, the boyfriend... <laughs> The boyfriend's yeah. body. And <laughs> Paul walks in just at this point in time, Pablo, stirring his tea with his mustache. And he says, oh, that was your boyfriend, was it? Good throw. <laughs> yep. And the degree yep. that we went from abject horror and like gasping and like breathless holding our breath to falling on the floor laughing was like immediate it was it was incredible uh, oh man um but talking about the 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 kind of body horror in this walk, walk me through some of those walk me through some of the moments in this film that are kind of spoiler alert spoiler alert Ooh. we're about to get into it i think we've been in spoiler yeah, territory for quite true. some time to be honest <laughs> but um yeah so as far as body horror is concerned, probably the f- most outstanding moment of it, the moment that immediately like burns in my brain the more that I think about it, is they find uh, the the expedition that goes mm-hmm. into the Shimmer that's led by Dr. Ventress, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, who, if we haven't mentioned, is a fucking goddess <laughs> and is incredible in this movie. She's so great. Mm. Um, she's so stripped back. Like, yeah. she's the minimalist performer in this and it makes i think that's what makes almost by comparison it makes natalie portman's uh performance more compelling Mm. because portman's already doing quite a a minimal thing and then jennifer jason lee comes in and basically doesn't act so she's (laughs) just this she's just this emotionless glass human being and i thought she was pretty remarkable but their expedition comes across a tape from the previous expedition, which was uh, led by Portman's husband, mm. Oscar Isaac. And they witness this moment in which they tie one of the members of their expedition down, cut his stomach open with a knife, and he's alive, and he's you know gritting his teeth yeah. and getting through this, Ugh. but his insides are 
moving around and they're shimmering with that exact oily sort of texture that you were talking about before and that was just like i was i was a human pretzel on the couch at that point just sort of like (laughs) squirming into this like (sighs) like that was next level (laughs) what an image the human pretzel i like that uh (laughs) yes yes i 100 percent concur i mean it was almost it was like is it a worm? And then it was like, is it, and then it's like, no, it's just like his intestines and they're just like snaking around. Are they alive now? Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also just just like, I hinted at that stuff later. Like I can see, you know, it moving in my hand and whatnot. Um, That sort of stuff was, was a nice kind of, ooh, ever present kind of thing. Uh, And then, yeah, the we we have to talk about this because it was this it was the hold your breath uh i need to laugh otherwise i know the I'll, moment uh <laughs> i need to laugh otherwise i'll scream kind of and not sleep <laughs> for the next five nights kind of situation when the expedition <laughs> one of the members of the expedition has tied up and and kind of kidnapped everybody on you know has gagged everybody in yep. and have them sitting down bound yep, to yep, a chair yep. and she's kind of dr- grilling them for answers and then a cry comes from outside and it's help me, help me. And it is one of the former members of their expedition that has died, right? That we've all seen. It's been attacked by a bear. So we all saw she got eaten by a bear. And yet that's mm. the voice that appears. Or carried to be, off by a bear, yes, I guess. carried off by a bear. And, but Natalie Portman found her dead later on, right? We've that's seen right, that. she did. And then we hear her voice. And so she goes running out and David... <laughs> If you do the honors of explaining what comes back uh, after oh my God. swiping at this poor young woman. So what comes barreling back through the door is this hybrid bear-like creature. They've already established in the film that we'll see a number of creatures within the Shimmer that are kind of evolved versions of the animals that were living in the park. So... We've seen before there was a crocodile with sort of shark's teeth embedded in mm. its jaw. This thing is straight out of the United beyond the pale, <laughs> though. Oh God, yeah, it's it's something along the lines of a bear if it had the face of an elk that's had the meat stripped from it. It's just oh. this sort of bony apparition, and it comes in and sneaks around the room trying to discern where these tied up women are so that it can devour one of right. them. Right, because but it doesn't have the eyes. The entire time. It doesn't have eyes because yeah. it's got no skin on its face. It's just basically the oh, skeleton God. head. Yeah. But the entire time that it's scouting around this room, it is screaming in Cass's disembodied voice, the voice of this woman that Help it hunted me. and killed. Oh, Help God, it's haunting. Like, if that is not... And I'm a person who has a horror movie podcast. If that is not the lasting horror image of 2018, then fuck me, this year has got some shit coming. <laughs> like, that was unbelievable. What? That was just the most terrifying thing I've seen in a long time. And I've got goosebumps just thinking about it right now because it was it was yeah. such an amazing visual, physical, visceral, like emotional responding kind of piece of yeah. art that was on the screen as you just witnessed. And it's as conceptually just gut-wrenching as it is like, you know, 
emotionally captivating in that mm. moment. Like it, it frightens you on that base. Ooh, this is nasty level, but it's got so much weight to yeah. it. And oh god, <laughs> it's like the ultimate predator, right? It is like this. Oh, you capture this. You just captured the scream of your victim, and now you're using the scream of your victim to hunt your next it's victim. Friends Whoa. to hunt its Whoa. friends. You messed up, son of a bitch. <laughs> like holy. If you guys can see the faces that we're pulling right now, it's. Ah, <laughs> oh, why? Why do we make this an oral medium? You know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, oh so, oh, so scary and so entertaining. Um, it is yeah. just a, it's a joy to, to kind of be able to actually see this stuff. To hear, yeah, to hear you say like not super, like not super versed in body horror, mm. that scene, maybe not so much like the, like that element of the predator using the prey scream is like, that's the first time I've mm. seen that and that's buck wild. But that scene otherwise i think has a lot of dna in a movie called the thing Mm. which is a kurt russell 1980s classic john carpenter uh they have a scene in that movie where the alien in that in that movie uh takes the form of people that it kills it essentially uh evolves into something akin to them so you know the the sort of overriding theme really is that you can't trust the people around you because they might be it pretending to be your friends that aren't alive anymore and there's a really famous famous scene where they work out that blood uh the blood of this alien creature reacts to fire so and they can burn and kill the creature with fire so what they do is they take a blood sample from every person that is on this Arctic base that the film is set in and tie them all to chairs. So they're all sitting in this sort of, you know, like captive audience kind of thing, excuse the pun. (laughs) And they're then taking a flamethrower to each of the blood samples. And so if nothing happens, that's cool. You're human. Everything's fine. If anything happens, we're going to have some stern words. (laughs) And so that like, that that scene, as soon as you saw all three of them tied to that chair, I immediately flashed back to the thing. Almost had this like trauma trigger, like PTSD. <laughs> it's like, oh god, I'm there. And it's like, I, I love seeing that that DNA sort of brought through in a mm. scene that is still, you know, original and surprising and just like, uh, unforgettable. <laughs> Yeah, I and just the slow moving, just the I mean, it also reminded me of Jurassic Park as well. I mean, I felt mm. like there were some some moments there with the velociraptors and stuff like that and the head kind of peeking through. Uh and the T Rex yeah. as well and just like that whole don't move, don't move, don't move. Uh actually the <laughs> And all of these beautiful, majestic creatures that you see, you know, like constantly moving through the film. It's just like Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> um shake off the heebie-jeebies um then the other one the other sort of is why i'm drinking is to suppress the trauma (laughs) the other incredible thing that or the the incredible scene that, that happens then later on in this film is obviously around the lighthouse um Mm -hmm. and everything that goes on there it is again it's so visually spectacular it it has these 
skull and bones at the front that are all kind of set up almost in a ritual like stay yeah. away type kind of thing but what was really interesting that came out of this was and what I think made the movie so compelling towards the end was that there was this idea that this villain the, 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 the bad guy the invading force in this sense was not trying to destroy us, not trying, maybe, mm. not trying to destroy us, not trying to annihilate us. <laughs> but it was, as Natalie Portman, Portman put it, uh, he, it's just doing something new. Um, and so yeah. the idea is everything that retracts uh, in on itself when it's within the shimmer. So these creatures are literally melding DNA, right, from a cell cellular level, restructuring to yeah. become crocodile shark to become bear screen. well they're restructuring right they're restructuring all of the different colors within the spectrum of light to form white mm. right like they're just they're just melding everything together until it forms this this new shape and it's only just occurred to me that maybe that's in some way like reflective of the sort of filmmaking process within sci-fi and particularly within that sort of like alien invasion genre which has become so sodden with these oh, fear the outsiders kind of narratives mm-hmm. you know we've in the last couple of years like we've seen a sequel to independence day which was all about oh the aliens are coming gotta stop the aliens we've always had this sort of you know reflexive response that says anything that comes to this planet must wish us yeah. ill because we have such a fear of the other or the unexplained and so I wonder if maybe there's there's something sort of responsive in that desire of these filmmakers. And I guess, like, all credit to Jeff Vandermeer as well, who wrote the novel this was loosely based mm. on, that, yeah, there is no agenda. I know there were reviewers who were pissed off by that. Yeah. They were like, no, 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 I want to, I want to know exactly <laughs> what they intend. It's like they're just, they're just a living yeah. thing. Like, they're, they're just going about the process of, you know recreating and and spawning and and evolving as they need to they just do it at a rate that's beyond our capacity to understand it and we then look at them and go but it must be some desire to destroy us particularly <laughs> it has to be about us in some way we this have is to be ego the center of the universe and so they yes. come here so they clearly want to destroy us rather than just <laughs> because behaving right it yeah, is behaving as yeah knows how to behave because being our end must be their only true meaning, right? <laughs> like, fuck. Yeah. So, wow. So, talk, so let's talk a little bit about meeting the the alien or getting to the lighthouse uh, a little bit. Mm. Uh, there is obviously the deep black hole. There's the video that she watches of Oscar Isaac. And then there is the creepy uh, double of Oscar Isaac that steps in front of the camera at the end of that yeah. after he's blown up the phosphorus grenade and uh, looks back at the camera uh, Ooh. Ooh. I spent this whole part of the film like I remember watching the trailers for this and thinking I'm like I essentially expected it to be bad only because I have a habit of watching trailers that look fantastic and then being gutted mm. when the film doesn't live up to them. But I, I spent so much time crossing my fingers and going, please let this be okay. Please <laughs> let this be okay. And I remember being in this last third of the film, just being knotted in a ball and completely incapable of focusing on anything but, but what was happening in front of me. 
and even if that that sort of doppelganger concept, I guess, wasn't like the most surprising thing that could have possibly happened. I mean, like, of course, Isaac's has been changed in some mm. ineffable and you know unchangeable way mm. by his experience in this. But to know that he was this sort of doppelganger, it was like, oh, okay, that's that's cool. That's a cool idea. It wasn't until we see that insane mirror sequence where she's where Natalie Portman is kind of dancing with her well, own let's, like, crystalline doppelganger. Yeah, let's, like, let's hold that for one second and talk right, about right. how we get there <laughs> because she goes deeper into this black, almost looks like the, the center of a, a woods type situation. It looks like the kind of roots of a tree like coming into the center. I know that's mm. not what it was. It was some kind of sick inner bowel of this, whatever the creep. Well, like a like a sort of womb yeah. in yeah, essence true. like it had that kind it reminded me a lot of alien mm. like it had that sort of geiger-esque kind of dark organic sort of you know inside the body it reminded me of earlier in the film when we were talking about the, the gut yeah. moving around and that sort of stuff so much um yeah, so much shoulder shaking going on <laughs> so much ick there's a lot of ick there's a, there's a huge ick factor in this film that i hope I hope people can get past yeah. that to still get through this experience of a film because I think it's so because worth for it. me right and and I'm not sure if you think this but for but but listening this to this from, from my perspective um, the th- the third act is where is the masterpiece of this film I really liked uh, like I, I, I was I was kind of on board but as I said I was asking myself a whole bunch of questions but then the third act mm. from around the bear coming in yeah uh, in terms of the iconography in terms of the visuals in terms of the immersive just like and then just like eyeball melting kind of visuals at, at different points and just <laughs> the the paintings on screen right every frame of painting uh i don't know it, mm. I, I don't know but for me i thought the third act was the, the masterpiece of the film yeah, for sure. Someone else I know referred to it as like Arrival meets Enter the Void. I was like, mm. man, that's a that is a mm. good good comparison. That sort of intense kind of like hyper visually arresting, almost hallucinogenic sort of thing going on, but mixed with this more pensive, carefully paced, you know, uh, intellectually provocative kind of material, like. It is this this incredible mesh. If for me it was maybe a little bit earlier. It was the point from just moments after the sort of gut worm thing that we were talking about before, when they found the the body of that person, if I can say body, if that's in <laughs> any way accurate. It's this sort of like fungal growth against the the base of a pool that's been drained out. And it's just this sort of like hyper colored plant growth in a way that then later we see this uh we see this image of like the plant growth within the shimmer imitating human structures and so they're still plants they're not people but they're in the shape of people moving around and interacting and this through line of i guess in a sense art imitating Mm. life but this outside life form imitating life on earth regardless of what the ramifications of that are for the current inhabitants mm. of earth is just like an incredibly compelling idea yeah. 
both those throughout it's just were, like uh, incredible both the the man sitting at the base of the pool and then also the the flower yeah. people were both you're right 100 percent incredible images i don't think i stopped i don't think i stopped salivating from that point <laughs> on it's just give me more imagery nom 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 like oh jesus sweet mother of god and yeah so that 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 moment in the sort of tree womb i guess that we were talking about is the point where it potentially could have all fallen apart particularly because jennifer jason lee had that like credits roll moment where she said the word annihilation and i wasn't sure that it quite worked in the context Mm. of what had been going on up until that moment apparently there's a big thread in the book about the word annihilation and that having some like actual you know physical effect on them they're like hypnotically trained to respond uh, to that in some way because that we talked about the, I so i was going to go into this a little bit later and i still might leave it for there we're going to do a few quick okay. fire questions about some like what the fuck was that about um basically just to wrap <laughs> All right, up cool but before we do that let's just go into the the final act of the 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 mm. film or the the end and the end from the lighthouse so they're in the womb like mm. thing jennifer jason lee is in there the first frames on her are at some of the most disturbing of the film it looks like she doesn't have eyes yeah did God. you did, did, am <laughs> i just crazy was that only me that saw that or i wonder if this film has that effect on people that like I don't know if you know, do you, uh, you're familiar with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yep. right? It's like not an especially... Have you seen no. it? So it's actually not a graphic film right. at all. Like, it's it's very, very bloodless. There's not much bloodshed in it mm. whatsoever. Sorry, I'm just having a bit of an audio thing going on. Anyway. You're back. Um, yeah, there's like... There's very little actual bloodshed, but people had so many ideas in their head of oh i saw this person getting chainsawed down the middle and uh, like all of these sorts of ideas that they thought they'd seen but they never actually had they weren't actually mm. in the film but that pure sort of like psychic suggestion i guess all of the things that were left unshown and unsaid left the impression on these people that they'd seen something that was much more horrific than was actually depicted and i get the feeling that this film could have that effect on you a hundred percent yeah wow that's crazy because what i saw uh as she was sitting down in the middle of this womb-like thing was just uh not that her eyes had been plucked out or anything like that because then when it turned she and she was talking to natalie i was like no it all seems like it's intact yeah they were just sort of empty right yeah, it just looked like there was almost the womb-like tar over mm. the top of her uh, bridge of her nose, and like a cross, um, almost like a blindfold, or like somebody had literally put tar across yeah. the, the face. Oh um, God. And then she turns around uh, and talks to Natalie's character for a brief period before just turning into. Uh, light i guess out her arms and then like light streaming from every part of her body and like coming out through the mouth and through the eyes and like basically being absorbed by this womb-like entity (laughs) and then and then all of that coming back in and forming like a cloud kind of blackish gray charcoal cloud in the center of it and then it kind of that all coalescing together and then ripping apart into this kind of tear in the fabric of space sort of thing, which was just like a 
almost like one of those magic eye things where you're supposed to put your yeah, face right. up close to it and then and then come back and you'll see an image. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and the colors are changing and that's just like the trippiest art ever. Hearing you describe this makes me really 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 want to see the screenplay for this moment like how the fuck does he <laughs> describe this i mean i guess because he's the director it's a little bit easier he's like ah, i know what i want i don't need but like how do you describe this moment like jesus yeah yeah exactly and then uh after all of that N- natalie portman's character is just getting closer and closer and she's getting so curious about this thing or like she's just kind of in shock looking at it and there are two drops of blood on the inside of her eye mm. uh, and next to her nose that kind of leap from her face and get pulled into this void this kind of tear in in, in space and then within that you see this at a cellular level one divide into two two divide into four four divide into exactly the same image in. that uh, they showed at the beginning as her looking yes. at cancer cells yes yeah and then that just keeps on rapidly multiplying out and you just hear her scream no as this body starts to form out of the smoke right and then you've got this incredibly creepy heart like humanoid shaped silver gray kind of They've got. They look like someone wearing a a, a bodysuit made of the entirety of existence. Like they are just wearing <laughs> a galaxy. It's it's astonishing. And then they g- come out of that uh, room, and what happened? Like the. I mean, I think one of the most stunning pieces of the next five minutes or whatever where they have this movement thing where it is just clearly copying her Mm. and then also kind of, I think, learning from everything that she's doing, basically. It's like learning how to be her, almost. I want to be like you. (laughs) That's funny. I want to walk like you. (laughs) You went to this this song as a reference point. I was like, oh, man, that's like that fight with Dark Link in Zelda Ocarina of Time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like that uh, that mirror image is I, I guess again, you know, not the newest concept or anything like but that. It's but it's also but the way that they executed it, it being slightly not mirror, right? Yeah. It is, it is not that it's exactly that it's not that it's a mirror of you, it's actually that it's just following you. Yeah. And and that it's doing adapting its own, like, to you. Yeah. And then it was which is why like Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) One of the Um, reviews that I read was talking about they'd recently seen a documentary about a particular dancer and they were... uh, Someone who's not versed in dance, but they watched this documentary and they were like, wow, this dance is amazing. And then they were watching this scene in Annihilation and going, jeez, it reminds me of that dancer, like the specific physicality and the mirroring and the way that they engage with the it was that same person. Like oh, they'd wow. only just discovered this, this artist. And yeah, that was all choreographed by a particular contemporary dancer whose name I wish I could bring to mind, but I can't, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And, and even just knowing that that's choreographed by a dancer brings that element to it. Mm. Right. And I think that, um, Natalie definitely helps kind of, uh, for sure, because she's such a good mover. But the thing that I think makes that film so, 
kind of again heebie-jeebie but also like wow isn't this beautiful is that every time the creature moves there is like this low kind of cello almost like or or like this kind of siphonic that's not a word but whatever symphonic Uh, symphonic i got you <laughs> oh yeah, kind of it's happening. Warped out and shifted and pedaled to shit. I I it, wrote in my notes just the words soundtrack for fucking days. This movie soundtrack <laughs> is incredible. And also, like I think at the time, I think if I was writing notes, I would have written down my brain is goo. Uh, like that was Accurate. that was the point Accurate. at which I almost gave up. Like <laughs> gave up living. <laughs> I was just like. <laughs> What? No. Am I am what? I functioning on the same level as my fellow man? I just don't know anymore. <laughs> and it, I kind of just wanted to like lie back and be lifted up and just like sit in zero gravity for a while just yeah. to kind of re-pressurize myself back onto planet Earth. But that's it. Like how many other filmmakers can can actually claim to have created that sensation in a viewer? Like that's bonkers. To, to lift you in that in that way that moves you beyond the simple sort of like cognitive reckoning of what is going on into this like I sort of no longer like I don't understand but I almost don't care I'm just in it I'm just in this incredible thing that is happening right now this this mm-hmm. expanse of inexplicable you know sensation and fuck like it's so good I love Alex Garland oh my god and I think that David Lynch is as you rightly pointed out earlier probably one of the only other filmmakers that really uh, does it on uh, or makes a big kind of point of doing it Um, yeah there there are um, things like moments in the leftovers that were similar that had that kind of power Um, but yeah David Lynch is definitely the other one that stands springs to mind and because you brought him up before, also Aronofsky like definitely yeah. goes for that kind of like emotional elevation where it becomes less about you know uh, picking your way through a plot and more about just sitting in that moment. Very true. Very yeah. true. All right, let's wrap this up and let's do a few uh, FAQs. All right. <laughs> Let's see if we can rip through these quickly for, for anybody still sitting at home. If you don't want to have any kind of like theories put at you about what could possibly put your mind at ease about these things, that's fine. Just switch off now. But if you want answers and you're like, please we just got tell me why this works. We got the uh, definitive we'll, we'll, answers. <laughs> the definitive the ones, objective yeah. answers. <laughs> we'll see like if we can have a stab at it. All um, right. Okay. Uh, what was the thing that hit the lighthouse just before op- the opening title? Was the shimmer sent by some extraterrestrial life form? Thoughts? Yeah, I feel like that's that's almost unequivocal. It's like if if you yeah. look at like, I, I think there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different responses to it I've read that have this more metaphorical angle. But I, I feel like that's at least the most direct element of it is, yeah, there's a, there's a comet. It hit the lighthouse. The comet do stuff. <laughs> but... Uh, one of the th- one of the things, and I- I've read a lot about this movie because every single thing that I've read has just like blown my brain that little bit more. I'm the the meme of the constantly expanding brains. Like every single time I read an article, one of them was saying that the the crystal trees around the lighthouse uh, yes. as as Portman approaches it towards the end, 
they form the same shapes as the synapses of the brain. And if you to look at the entire uh, film as being like a metaphor for depression or dealing with psychological trauma and wow. the urge to self-destruction, then that can be like this yeah. this sort of triggering event, this moment of trauma that changes the patterns of the brain irrevocably. So I guess that's one way of looking at it. But also, this yeah, it is just a comet and aliens. <laughs> Yeah, this is why your brain hurt. <laughs> but <laughs> Lomax, also, like, uh, who was played by Benedict Wong, uh, mm. obviously made a confident assertion that Lena had encountered an alien. Uh, yeah, and the Shimmer's origins definitely seem alien in nature. But also, yeah, uh, that's a, a sweet point that you make. Just so we can kind of get through a lot of these. Yeah, uh, why couldn't the expedition team remember the first few days spent in the Shimmer? Do you have any thoughts on this? Again, it kind of goes back to that idea of depression as being a way of losing time. And mm-hmm. I think I think more importantly, it's just a way of sort of like knocking the audience into, okay, time means nothing here. Like mm-hmm. the things that you understand of time, forget that shit. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're working on garland time now. This is my <laughs> clock. I will tell you how this functions. <laughs> It's just it kind of a short, a nice way of like knocking you off your feet, basically. Yeah, and going for like, sure. Oh, no, no. Oh, you, oh, you thought you got the shimmer. Well, bitch, I have news for you. <laughs> so retrospectively looking at it, some of the people who have, have tried to come up with theories have said that uh, there's the way that the affected region scrambles signals of all kinds, and it's possible then that something passing through the barrier messed with the expedition's neurochemistry and sort of scrambled their memories and their sense of time was one kind of uh, thought. And right. then the other one, which you brought up around the, the idea of the word annihilation, mm-hmm. uh, the second possibility comes from the book where the analog to Jennifer Jason Lee's Dr. Ventress, who is simply referred to as the psychologist until later in the series, mm-hmm. hypnotizes the expedition team. So, yeah, right. Uh, to, to as a as a way of kind of easing their transition into the shimmer. So that's another possibility, just to help kind of put some people's minds at ease. Yeah, I'm interested to know if she like expects them to die in that novel version. I'm actually like, I think this is just. I know we're speeding through this, but I think this film is a great way of sort of going watch the film first then read the book because that i think is the best way to go about adaptation if you read the book you will immediately have your own ideas in your head of exactly how this thing should be and Mm. anything to the contrary of that will grate against you and you will immediately hate it but if you watch the film first then the book will bring some new element to it and i'm super super excited to read it now yeah, 100%. Um, now, we kind of went into this already, but the idea around the hybrids in the Shimmer, um, the way that... Because it was a little bit hard to get it when Josie uh, Raddick, who played by Tessa Thompson, mm-hmm. uh, was t- going through it like in the moment. I really had to kind of get wrap my head around this. But the <laughs> idea is that the Shimmer is a prism, but it re- refracts everything. That's what she says including genetic information. So, in effect, it's reflecting and distorting genetic code uh, and meaning that the various life forms within the region are rewriting one another at a sub-cellular level. By the way, a huge shout-out to Slate.com where I am getting a lot of these <laughs> FAQ answers from. Great website. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then, jumping down a little bit further... 
Where? Okay, I'm interested in, in in seeing if you have a theory on this. Where does Lena's serpentine infinity tattoo come from? Because I didn't I, notice it. It's like a figure eight, right? I don't think I did either. But that's kind of, I guess, like it's a bit of a much much as I hate sort of pouring shit on the production designer or on the director. It's kind of like a bit of an obvious, you know, like kind of things. Uh, well, I mean, like the the whole film sort of like is uh, a way of acting out entropy, right? Like this way that. Mm you know cells imminently move towards destruction like any system and like has its own end built into it so this idea that lena is in some way you're seeking infinity like in a sense i guess she achieves that towards the end depending on how you feel about the exact end of the movie there's different ways that you could look at that kind of infinity symbol but i like the idea of taking the aruboros symbol and the infinity symbol and the two of them coalescing into this thing where infinity eats itself and i feel like that is the single most film school reading of any image i've ever done in my fucking life i feel so pretentious (laughs) right now Uh, um, so, so then, uh, did Lena's husband kill himself? Did Oscar Isaac kill himself in the lighthouse? If he did, who came back? Um, yes. Yeah. I love the idea of it being the doppelganger in some way, him then having to replicate who this person is without, without fully knowing who it is. I, I love that idea that, that strange uh you know that invader coming in and acting in a sense and uh like how that then bleeds into portman's own ending i think is really really interesting and and i guess at the same time like if you want to talk about the shimmer being this thing that refracts uh all of this genetic knowledge like it's not entirely impossible that this version of her husband that comes back is in some way him but in many other mm. ways not like so what is then your prediction as to what the fuck the last uh 30 <laughs> seconds of the film means and sorry if you're hearing sirens in the background of me apparently uh crime hotspot here in east perth yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you have your films about the, your uh your opinions about this film are objectionable <laughs> they're sending the police <laughs> How yeah, I, um, yes. I feel, <laughs> um, look, to be honest, if you'd said you didn't enjoy this movie, I'd be calling the fucking cops on you. I love this thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that last 30 seconds is, it's partly a way of just sort of, you know, Garland f- throwing his, his hands up in the air and saying, you work it out. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I like the idea of uh, Portman's character, Lena, sort of, having evolved through this experience i mean she said from the first time that she was looking at the blood slides in um uh, once they were inside the shimmer like they knew that they were changing in some way ever since they had stepped into this place and so i i still believe it's her when she comes out of the shimmer and when the shimmer sort of disapparates but she is changed she is irrevocably changed by this experience and so many of the things the stories that i've seen these days are about people evolving through trauma i just did a a 
podcast episode about martyrs where we talked about mm. people evolving through trauma. I've talked about like all of M. Night Shyamalan's films being about characters who have some sort of traumatic incidents in their lives, then, you know, using that as a way of growing into something new and stronger that helps them overcome the current situation. I mean, that's like, that's a hero's journey thing, right? Mm. Like the wound is overcome. And at the same time, like within the wound is the means to transforming into something greater, like using that pain to become something greater than yourself. And I think Mm. that's just like, it's a parallel to just being the fuck alive, right? Like (laughs) you evolve through making mistakes and you evolve through being hurt. And each of those things in your life somehow leads you to grow and change beyond your own understanding and beyond the comprehension of others. You just become what you are at that point. And I think there's an interesting understanding between this Jason Isaacs character, which is clearly entirely alien Mm. with maybe only Mm. some flex of what used to be human within him and Portman, who's kind of like the other side of that coin. Mm. So there's the possibility of, in a sense, instead of annihilation, there's coalescence. There's these two things coexisting. Or even like, I don't know, and this is just me, you know, being contrarian, but (laughs) (laughs) uh, even uh, the the sense that Natalie Portman is almost... uh, has seen... Um, almost a sense of Stockholm syndrome or something like that. Has, oh yeah, has seen and taken on the shimmer to the point where she's like, um, "This is uh, I was scared, but I understand now." Uh, yeah, and let's destroy all humans. <laughs> <laughs> Bring about but, entropy. It's time. But I can du- see. Uh, look, if anyone is going to kick off entropy, I want it to be Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs> but during that hug, um, obviously the the there's the glazing over the eyes from Oscar Isaac's character. And then Mm. you see that mirrored in Natalie. And then I also wonder if that is a sense that perhaps, or perhaps there is a slight agency in these alien creatures and there is a, uh, an objective and he just relayed some information or kind of, melded with natalie portman on some level right right uh because you're talking sort of conspiracy kind of stuff building (laughs) up where it's like all right we like we screwed them over by pretending that we didn't know what we wanted but now we know yeah because we recognized in her like a host as like i've i I adopted the form of a human and now i'm here and Mm. now the next stage in, 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 <laughs> goes into it's starting play. to sound like the Americans now. <laughs> They're going to be these covert <laughs> spies. It's like, we're secretly aliens, but we don't want anyone to know. <laughs> All right. Well, look, this has been so much fun. I had a great time talking about this. And, and it is actually a huge relief. I think anybody, mm. once they see this film, you need to talk about it before your head explodes. So if that's the case <laughs> with you and you've gotten this far and you still we, we didn't hit something that is still making your head explode, then mention it in the comments. Uh, leave us a comment either on Americanized.tv uh, with the article or on SoundCloud and uh, I'll do my best to put your mind at ease. Hell, I'll give you a phone call and just listen to your crazy fan theories for half an hour if you really want you me should- to. Pass those on to me, like pass those questions. I'd be keen to like throw my hat in the ring for any of those as well. Definitely, definitely, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on, man. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Sunday. Uh, Thank you for joining me on your Sunday. And we're going to have to do this again sometime soon. Absolutely. And like 
I hope I hope in the next episode we're also talking about Annihilation because I'm not going to stop talking about this film. Please go and watch it if you haven't seen it. It's so magical. And yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. No worries, man. And I will talk to you soon. Have a great, great rest of your weekend. Cheers. You too. Cheers. So that was David Malloy and myself talking about Annihilation on the second episode of the second season of Netflix and Grill. Thank you for joining us. I hope you had a good time. Today's show was brought to you by Americanized.tv. Don't forget to head over there and check it out. And also check out David's podcast, Nothing to Fear. That's nothing, number two, fear.podbean.com for more of his uh, incredible wit, incredible knowledge, and just a good hang. All right. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that and have a fantastic rest of your week. Ciao for now.